Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we are joined by one of the legends in college tennis. It's Tulsa men's tennis head coach Vince Westbrook making his Cracked Interviews debut to discuss entering his 33rd year on the job at Tulsa, the changes he has seen within the sport during his tenure, and so much more. This is a fascinating interview. I am certain all of you listeners will enjoy it. It's the first of hopefully many we will have with Coach Westbrook this season as our Cracked Rackets team expands our coverage of the college tennis universe with more coverage of his Tulsa men's tennis program. Again, this is a squad, a program that is in the NCAA tournament conversation perennially. I believe they have made the tournament 19 times in Coach Westbrook's 32 years. I believe there have been nine conference titles during his tenure as well. Still looking for that first American athletic conference title, but obviously on today's show, I wanted to ask Coach Westbrook about his pursuit of that title, about the squad he brings into this 2024 season, about their upcoming weekend, big matches against Nebraska, Texas Tech, and then of course Wednesday, they're taking on Arkansas, a match we will be covering 6 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. Again, this is a fascinating conversation that I'm certain all of you listeners will enjoy. So without further ado, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Tulsa men's tennis head coach, Vince Westbrook. Joining us for the first time on our show is a man all of you will know as a legend in our sport as he begins his 33rd season at the helm of the Tulsa men's tennis program. He is a multi-time conference title winner, but beyond that, those of you who follow college tennis closely know each and every year we go to the Case Tennis Center for the ITA All-Americans. That tennis center, of course, only exists because of the efforts of the man joining us now. You know him, of course, as head coach Vince Westbrook. Coach, welcome to our show, first and foremost. I know you guys have a big match coming up uh, against Arkansas tomorrow. Let's start there. What can we look forward to in that battle? Well, I think that when Tulsa and Arkansas get to play against each other, I think it's always a very uh, uh, interesting match. And, it's you know, we play... We played over there last year and they got us and uh um year before we played here and it was a 4-3 knockdown drag out and so it'll be i'm sure it'll be the same thing as it always it has been very uh you know an area uh they're very close to us and uh uh it's uh quite a rivalry between arkansas tulsa and then when you have you know your oklahoma and your oklahoma state so it's it's always fun to play those schools yeah, no, and it's not just the Arkansas match. I know coming up this weekend, you've got Texas Tech, you've got Nebraska as well. And, you know, I think that's a really cool thing. I believe that Texas Tech match is happening in Lincoln. And we yes. see that more yeah. frequently now where a couple of schools will travel to a location and they'll play each other on a neutral site. Is yes. that a development you enjoy? Because, you know, certainly looking at your schedule, I feel like it's been a pretty aggressive schedule in the sense you've tested your guys here early. Well, uh, you know, we have seven new guys. It's a new team. I graduated a big team last year. It was my COVID uh, group and uh, uh, getting to play, getting to play these teams. You know, now you're trying to 
do everything when you go into some of these places and you know there's there's like we'll have trips out to Arizona that we'll only play Arizona which we usually try to play at least two uh two matches on these trips because it makes it more cost efficient and it also gives you the ability to kind of get ready for conference when you're going into these conference deals uh weekends and you're playing uh two events so it's a good thing that we're getting to go up this is gonna be the first time that i've played uh or we played uh, uh dual matches at nebraska mm-hmm. in yeah. my career here yeah always again and i imagine always fun to head to a new location always oh fun absolutely to absolutely there's a new- bunch of new facilities out across the country that are i mean that we're looking forward to going and playing and it, it you know it's what makes it fun yeah, and you talked about, again, graduating a big group last season, bringing in new starters. Obviously, you have a new assistant with you as well. I'll get the chance to speak with him a little later. But talk to me about what it's been like working with this group. I'm sure in some senses it is a new team, and every team gets the new message. It's fresh. Yeah. At the same time, it's a lot of transfers, right? A lot of players yeah. with prior college experience. And so I'm right. curious how that's impacted your approach to the year. Well, uh- with uh we have Pierce that uh um that is playing in our number one position. He graduated from Texas AM, moved in. Uh, you know, Pierce was uh, grew up across the street from me. So he was our neighbor. So I got to watch really? him grow up from when he was in diapers all the way. And, you know, I know the family very well. And uh, he was gonna go out on the circuit and then the last minute he decided that he wasn't ready and so we put together a deal for him that uh he'll leave here with a uh, uh mba uh in uh, uh, pet- uh petroleum engineering and uh i mean he's going to be ready to go he's going to be ready to go and then we've got uh tiago who transferred in from east tennessee state and he's he's getting a master's degree in education and so both of those guys will uh, leave here after one year, and then the rest, everyone else is uh, our youngsters. Mm-hmm. Do you have to approach those groups differently, how you'd coach those freshmen versus those transfers coming in, and what do those differences yeah. look like? Well, I just think the experience, it's a good thing that we have that type of leadership to pull the other guys together and uh, so, you know be prepared like when we went down to baylor last week you know we knew it we always have a war with baylor you know we we uh we lost 7-0 but if you look at the scores i think it was a lot tighter than that i think we lost three three setters and uh, uh the doubles was tight so it's interesting to see, to see a uh, Pierce and a Tiago say, look, guys, you need to be prepared. What's going to happen? You come out and you win a doubles point and that, hey, it isn't over with yet. You know, just count that as uh, uh, just the uh, warm up because the singles is so important. Mm-hmm. Now, and, you know, looking at your group, you talked about Pierce and maybe him having pro aspirations. Uh, obviously, during your time, there have been plenty of players who have come through the college ranks and gone on to have pro success. But the number that I always turn to that was most striking to me at the end of last year, there were 38 players in the top 100 of the ATP doubles rankings with college tennis ties. Obviously, one of them from your school, Grand Slam champion, always a good thing. Has college become a more prevalent pathway to the pros in your mind during your time? Do you think that's a trend we'll see continue? I think so. I think that the positive things and you being uh, following the history of college tennis, college tennis has never been in uh, such a great um, situation as a pathway to the next level. 
I mean, uh, you see all the money that's put into uh, tennis. Where else in the world is this kind of money put into amateur tennis? Mm -hmm. Now, the difference is, is that we have uh, uh, we have other sports paying for this. Okay, we don't have to sell a ticket because you know, as we all know, outside of the Grand Slams and a few other events around the world, tennis doesn't make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But you've got the you've got to, the top kids from Europe now. You're going to see more and more of the top hundred coming into college. Because it's the most, uh, it's the most. Uh, uh, I don't want to say the easiest. I want to say it's probably the the best well-rounded way to grow up off the court and on the court to be ready for the. You know, it's a tough life out there on that circuit. Yeah. No, absolutely. And you know, I'm curious how you see the improvements in the talent, the you know, the increase of players who are willing to explore this for at least a few years, perhaps, as a pathway. You know, the the reason I ask is I go back to your first year, I believe, 91, 92. You guys go 6-11 and 11 overall. Then, you know, I'll fast forward to 1995, a great year for two reasons. One, October 6, 95. It's when I entered the universe. So, great. I like to think great year there overall. You go. But, yeah, okay. also, it's a year you go 22-7. and seven. It's a year yeah. you make your first NCAA tournament. And to have such a rate of improvement that quickly – I feel like it would be very hard to do that in today's game, just given the depth we see everywhere. I'm curious if you see that depth and how it has changed. I can say yes and no. Okay. I can say yes if it was on the old system on how we had to build it. Okay, but look at where we are right now. Okay, you can go out and buy a team. You have NIL, you have transfers. Okay, everybody's looking for the quick buck. I mean, and it, and this is going to hit tennis. It's already hit tennis. It's you can, I mean, you can look across the board. You know, the NIL space is going to get bigger and bigger until we're shut off. Until the Olympic sports will be told, you know, by their athletic directors and uh, the people who control their uh, programs that uh, uh, you can't get in the way of football and basketball. Do not be surprised if that doesn't happen. Yeah. No. It's yeah, fascinating. Because, yeah, because that that you can see that coming down the pipe because there's never enough money. <laughs> Football and basketball are taking the the big big uh, chunks of money, and then all of a sudden you have key contributors at uh, uh, a lot of these schools that contribute both to tennis and the big sports. You're going to start having what they call donor fatigue, yeah. and uh, and you know all of a sudden what's enough. What's a, you know, it used to be a scholarship was enough. The money that we pump into these kids, they don't get that from their federations. The parents have been uh, footing this bill for so long. And uh, uh, they, college is the best avenue to take unless you're that one special, special kid out there that's 18, 19, 20 years old that has the uh, either a, the federations throwing a ton of money or they have the sponsorships. And what is that? I mean, you you follow tennis all over the world. What is that? Probably 20 in the world a year. Yeah. Is that about right? Yeah, if that. Yeah. That I mean, that have everything, first class everything. The rest of it is college. No. But wh when when is it enough? When is it enough when you give this kid a uh, a scholarship that's forty five, fifty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars a year, and then you provide the tennis? And if you were to average it out, we probably spend probably twenty five to thirty thousand dollars of equipment, travel, all that per athlete a year. And that's just a, a number that I'm pulling out. If you were to take your whole budget and spread it out over twelve people, 
And you you get to that point, and then all of a sudden now we want even more money so that we can go out and play the futures and do that. Yeah. You know, when is it enough? No, it's a fascinating topic you bring up and, you know, to go back into the history of your program specifically, you had to raise all that money privately to build the Michael Case Tennis Center. And obviously, right. that's a center that has hosted NCAA events. It now hosts the ICA All-Americans. It's a center that's on my bucket list of things. I promise I'm getting down there. The presence of Josh makes it that much more likely. There you uh, go. Yeah, there you of go. course, yeah. Um, because it's on his dime, as he knows. Right. Right. Um, but no, I'm, I'm just... I'm fascinated what that pro- process was like in 2000 because obviously you do see some new tennis centers certainly being built, and I just happened to be in one in Columbia for the National Indoors that was magnificent. But you know, That's again, it, it, I think on, on that side it was very much how we had to spearhead that project, and I'm just curious how much of that fundraising component does come from your end, like how much you have to focus on that specifically? Well, that's a big part of it now. But if you look in, and not just in tennis, I'll be fair to all of my peers, your football, your basketball, your baseball, all of the coaches that have new facilities and have the fundraising that has to go uh, with, whether it be towards your program, towards your NIL, it's the biggest part of your time now. And a lot of coaches say, you know, I don't want to deal with that. Or fortunate enough at schools that they have athletic directors that, you know, have this grand plan and have the ability to go and help them. So I think it's I think it's very important that uh, uh, you have to understand as a Division One coach now, you have to be a, you have to be a fundraiser. That's probably 45 percent of the uh, uh, of your job. Yeah, I, I again and then. You have to do all the other things, the scheduling, the developing, the coaching. And, uh, you know, again, I'm curious what having a tennis center like that, because obviously, Case, you have the capability to host not just these spectacular college events, but pro events and junior events as well. Uh, What having a a center like that access to it does for your program? Well, how we learned how we learned to sell this uh, was. The facility was built for the University of Tulsa, was built for our athletic program. But the most important thing, it was built for our city Mm -hmm. because this facility was used to attract these events so that we bring people to visit uh, the city of Tulsa, the university. It becomes a recruiting tool across the board. And when you come here and you look at our courts, the sponsorships that, you know, you had you had Mike Case, you had some very influential uh, people around him that helped. And the whole deal is that we were selling the city of Tulsa because we were going to host NCAA events. We were going to host, you know, we've hosted what, this is going to be our 17th All-American. And it's the longest that it's been anywhere in history. And, you know, the economic impact, I want to say that the Sports Commission gives us every year is, I want to say it's five or six million dollars that we bring in for 10, you know, for 10 days. Well, that makes it attractive. And the NCA was just the same way. Why we're not interested in the NCA? Because they completely changed it up. All of a sudden, you don't have that many people. We've had the biggest, and you can check the records. We've had the biggest attendance in NCA uh, championship history because we've sold more tickets. I mean, we have a huge advantage because of the type of town we're in. Remember, we're a big golf town. We've hosted the U.S. Open, the PGA Championships. I mean, this community really knows how to get around major events like this. Yeah. No, I'm. 
that's where I wanted to go next because that 2004 championship, I believe, was the one where uh, the attendance record was initially set by your group. And, you know, you talk about the impact in the community and getting the community to buy in to a program, buy into tennis. I happened to be in Oklahoma this past October for an Oklahoma Tennis Foundation event, and I saw that buy-in. People coming out, watching players from your school compete, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and, you know, again, willing to raise money to support tennis programs within the community. I know this may sound like a simplistic, uh, uh, the simplest form of this question, but I guess how? How have you gone about getting the city of Tulsa and the state of Oklahoma to buy into the sport, buy into your program specifically? Because ultimately, that's where the future of the sport has to go, right? Well, you have to get the right people that are interested in tennis. And it was it was very interesting when we were opening the facility. John McEnroe opened our facility for us. Wow. So uh, uh, Mr. Case sent me on his plane up to pick up John. And so I fly into White Plains, New York to pick him up. And he walks on this plane. He goes, wow, I've never been on a plane this big. I said, welcome to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I said, the guys that you're going to be speaking to uh, tonight, I said, just brought the U.S. Open in golf to Tulsa. Understand they're golfers, big time money. That kind of money doesn't cross into tennis very often. And I said, so you really want to be an ambassador to our sport? Here's a really good chance. And he was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's fascinating. And it, again, it speaks to what you guys have built that you've had 17 years of All-Americans and you've had all of this success with your program. Talk to me about this year's team. Uh, obviously, again, I know three and four through the first seven matches, but you're playing top 50 teams, match in, match out. You've had a couple of really fun four, three matches with Princeton. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you talked about you just went down the trip to Baylor. They're a top 20 team pretty clearly as well. Talk to yeah. me about the level you've seen from this group, what you've enjoyed from the new starters. I think we're figuring out what we need to do in doubles, but that's such a crapshoot. I think we're very solid at the number one position. I think our depth is pretty good. I think where we're a little soft right now is probably in the two, uh, two, three position, guys getting over injuries. I think once we get firing on all cylinders, we should be we should be a lot better outside. Um, and I think as is the experiences go, a lot of these guys hadn't played in front of crowds like that, whether it be at Oklahoma, we probably had four or 500 people. You know, we go down to Baylor, you know what it's like playing at Baylor, you know, so you have the people cheering for you and you have the people that are cheering against you. So they're, they're learning a lot, but I think we're day to day, we're getting better and better. Yeah, no, I you see that obviously again. It feels like the results are coming everywhere. You mentioned Pierce's level at the one spot. I know you know he was at A and M, and certainly he got plenty of repetitions to play against the best. But to play one match in match out, it's a really tough thing to do. I believe he's four and three so far through your seven matches. What have you seen from him? What's clicked so well? Well, the one thing you, it, it's great. It's great having this fifth year. Uh, yeah. You know, he had a lot of success at A and M, and you know, came out of a great program there. I think that him waiting a year before he really goes out full time and tries to play, he needed that. And, you know, I'm big on the educational. He'll have he'll have two degrees, which I'm big on that, because that's ultimately what we're supposed to be selling here, because at some point your career is going to be over. What are you going to do? 
And so I think he's done it the right way. I think that uh, uh, the one thing that you can see out of Pierce day in and day out, he gives 110%. He's very well prepared, and you never have to be on him. You have to pull the reins sometimes, hopefully, uh, that he doesn't injure himself doing too much. But when he's out there competing, you can see he'll lose a set 6-1. Back, he wins the next set. I mean, he never goes away. Yeah, it's it's been a pleasure to watch him compete, obviously, so far this season. Looking yeah. forward to broadcasting him uh, on Wednesday. Talk to me about the freshmen you have in your lineup, because obviously you have, I think, a 10-man roster, plenty of depth, as you discussed, and parity, dare I say, two through seven and eight. What do you see in an Alex Oconquo that has you saying, you know what, we're going to try you at the two spot here early? He came out of nowhere. You know, comes from a very athletic family. You know, his brothers, uh, one plays tennis for Illinois, and the other one plays basketball for North Carolina. Uh, very athletic. Uh, he has never played this much tennis. Uh, so you see, it's fun to watch him develop. Very, uh, very good athlete. And I think that, I think in the next, uh, you know, year, year and a half, after he gets a ton more experience, because everyone's good. At the Division One level, as you see, you just got back from national indoors. Everybody's good. And so you have to be you have to be ready to go day in, day out. And you can win one set against some of these good players. That's not is not over. It's just extended for another two hours. So he's learning that. I think Victor, Victor has done a good job for us. Um, he's learning. Um, he is, you know, he's coming off of the clay learning more and more hardcore tennis has been a little bit more of a struggle. But if you look at his results have been pretty good. He's taken a few losses, but to, you know, some pretty good guys. And then I think as one of our sophomores, uh, Tim, uh, he is, uh, uh, he's the guy that is just a go-to team guy. He's there day in, day out, wins a lot of matches for us and he can play throughout the lineup. So it's been, you know, it's been a lot of fun watching the youngsters, but also they're paying attention to what's what's going on above them, too. Yeah. And in that vein, my final question for you, 19 NCAA tournament appearances during your career. What's it going to take for this group to get put number 20 on the board Uh, for us to get healthy? figure out for us to get healthy, figure out our positions, learn what it's like to play for a team that the decisions are made for best interest of the group. And then if you figure out that, uh, uh, you know, you don't have to be the closest with your teammates, but you do have to work together. It's like creating a small company. Mm-hmm. You know, you want the company to do very, very well, and you have to use each other to get there. Yeah. And yeah. I think as long as you make uh, keep the uh, the poor decisions to uh, 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 to a minimum, I think that you have the ability to put together something that's pretty special. Yeah, well, I'm certainly looking forward to watching your team compete on Wednesday. Again, we'll have that match against Arkansas for all of you. Uh, And I know we're going to have more opportunities to do it throughout the course of the year as well. I am certainly looking forward to having more chats with you as I feel like we left some stuff on on the board there. Like, I want to expand on NIL. I am so fascinated to hear your thoughts on the future of college tennis, the changes you have seen, because it does certainly feel like there are some more changes on the horizon. But uh, obviously, through it all, we know. Tulsa men's tennis is going to be in the mix, and that's a testament to all you have done to build the program. So, Coach Westbrook, really appreciate you taking the time to chat today. Well, Alex, I appreciate what you're doing out there because you've added a complete new dimension, you know, with the streaming. Because we were one of the first, we were one of the first uh, universities to have the streaming systems, us in Stanford. And when Dick Gould and I were planning this stuff out, you coming along, it, it's taken a while, you know. <laughs> 
But now I think the things that you can do to help promote the sport and make it where it is more fan friendly, this is a big deal. And I, I really, really appreciate what you're doing. And it, it's helping. I mean, I watch the national indoors, you know, as you know, I know everyone in the country and <laughs> they're saying nothing but uh, they're singing your praises. Well, I, I really appreciate you saying that. I will say, blame Josh Molino. He's the one who got me to believe in myself, and okay. I guess I've been riding it ever since. And so uh, appreciate you saying that and sincerely look forward to chatting more throughout the season. Good luck to you and the guys on Wednesday. Thank you very much. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Tulsa men's tennis head coach Vince Westbrook. A thank you again to coach for taking the time to chat. I asked him for 10 minutes right off the bat. He gave me 20 and I can just tell we are going to have some fun conversations during this 2024 season. So a thank you to him for taking the time to chat today. A thank you to coach as well for, again, including our Crack Rackets team in their 2024 season. Our coverage of Tulsa men's tennis begins Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time on our excuse me, on ESPN Plus as we cover their matchup against Arkansas. We'll have more Tulsa men's tennis matches throughout the course of the season as well. And when we do, we will be sure to bring on Coach Westbrook for an update on all things Tulsa as well as just to pick his brain on other intriguing topics we've got right now in the tennis world. Of course, the reason we're able to provide all this content to you listeners day in, day out is because of the support we get from our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, who as always has a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out, making it all possible a thank you to him a thank you to you listeners as well for your patience again the mini break podcast it's going to pick up it will be rocking and rolling once again this week great shot podcast always rocking and rolling and we always try to provide more cracked interviews podcast episodes for you listeners as well Uh, but with all that said for the fantastic Tulsa men's tennis head coach Vince Westbrook our super producer Daniel Westhoff and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin you've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.